We used to be cool, a podcast for moms. We hope you'll join us each week as we pause the craziness to remember that we're not alone and that being a mom is actually really cool. Hey, everybody, welcome back to We Used to Be Cool. We're so excited that you're here. Um, we are joined tonight by honestly a local celebrity, in my opinion. <laughs> Catherine Banco is here with us tonight. She is um, an awesome mom and athlete and business owner business owner and also just um all about women and empowering them and making them feel seen so we're so excited that you're here Catherine thanks for being with us thanks for having me I highly I I do not call myself a celebrity (laughs) you don't call yourself a celebrity No, I'm just too humble for that, I guess. <laughs> totally. No, I take that off my resume. But yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We are too. And it's just, I feel like a testament to who you are. Um, as soon as you saw that we were hosting a podcast, you immediately were like, okay, so when can I have y'all on? Like you were just right <laughs> all about supporting us. And I just like, that's what I've seen in your socials, especially just that you're for women and for um, their success, others' success, and I think that's really cool. So we wanted to have you on, too, even before you invited us. I had already told Hannah when we first started talking about doing a podcast that I wanted to have you on. They all, like, make fun of me because I, again, see you as, like, a Wilmington celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) And you should also mention that you didn't mention her podcast, but it's hard. You just said Uh, have you on, but her podcast is called Heart and Soul. And it's great, and everyone should listen. But anyways, I could ramble on about how I think you're great for a long time, so I'll cut myself off and let you jump in and just kind of introduce yourself and um, tell us about your family and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, well, my name's Catherine. I um, am a mom of a boy named William. He's two years old. Um, my husband's name is Michael. We've been married five and a half years-ish, um, and we have a doodle dog named Bear, who is like another child, sometimes harder to manage than William, um, and I'm also a business owner. I run a local business here in Wilmington called Soul Fitness, S-O-L-E, and we do workout classes. I coach group classes, and I do personal training for women only in Wilmington um, under this umbrella of Stainless living, that's kind of our motto. And basically, I mean, I could talk, I could literally talk in circles. You've heard my podcast, but um, basically, stainless living just means like not being ashamed of your story or the skin that you're in, but instead, like using your story, even your pain, um, to like celebrate where you are right now and even encourage others where they're at. Um, And so we do that like by honoring our body our bodies and like not punishing them in exercise but instead celebrating the skin that we're in and we also do like little devos at the end of every workout um it's awesome I love it I love that that's so cool have you ever read um in or listened to anything with Jess Connolly no oh my gosh okay she has the best it just reminded me when you were talking she has the best book and it's called breaking free from body shame 
um, and Hannah and I read it and it literally changed our like mm-hmm. mindset, our lives, truly. It's so good. Um, I need to read it. You would love it. And it's so much like what you stand for and what you believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she's just, and she's really similar to you. She's like, um, a fitness instructor and just yeah, in Charleston or, in Charl- Yeah. A really solid Christ follower. She's a mom, but she just has like her, she talks about how far she's come in her journey too, but also how like disordered eating and just all these different aspects of her life that started, you know, when she was in like second grade and just how it wow. carried through her whole life and how she's broken free from that because of her relationship with Jesus really. And what she's learned about how God views her and God views her body and, it's really, really, really good. I can't believe I haven't thought to tell you about it before because you would like it so much. Okay, I'm going to buy that when we hang up. Yeah, <laughs> so good. It's, I recommend it to everybody. So do I because it taught me so many things about, like, things that we say. And she talks about this a lot, too. Like, especially once you're a mom, like, the language you're using in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. Even though we yeah. all have boys, it affects them, too. That's, like, part of her first part of her book is that, like, 98% of women deal with um like body image issues and 95 percent of men so it's not like it's just a girl thing it's everybody and so she just talks about how like the language we use around our kids and how we talk about our bodies imagine them saying those same things and so just like protecting them from that mindset or even early on like as I mean as early as now the things that we're saying and like you said not punishing our bodies with exercise and those kinds of things so it's it's so good so helpful I'll have I'll definitely agree with that I'm like so passionate about words that you use like how much power your words have mm-hmm. um like to the like to the point where like when we're doing exercise classes like coaches that I have have coached at soul I will train them before and like I'll tell them all the words that they just cannot say like you can't compliment a woman based off just physicality mm-hmm. um you can't like use words like just burn those calories ladies or Thanksgiving coming up you know like all the things that you mm-hmm. hear in a gym like like none of that language is, is welcome here. And it's crazy because I really think that like God was like almost like training me and, and like, I guess, um, releasing those words from my vocabulary because, you know, I have been doing soul for a few years at the point when we had William. And so I really do feel like that's almost like that armor that he gave me to not talk about. I mean, sure, we all mess up. Like there's grace, 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 but to not talk about like my body or even food as like um, something that's like morally bad, you know? Oh, for sure. Yes. I think that's so good. Um, And it's so hard. It's so ingrained in us, I think in this, in our culture that like, and from our moms and from our grandparents and just like, it was so much of what was pushed on them. And so it just trickles down. And so you don't even necessarily realize that you do it. Until I, like, honestly, until I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, I do all of these things. Like, I don't, I didn't think I had a problem. And then I read this book and I'm like, wow, we all do. Like, Mm -hmm. we all have an issue with body image. Um, Totally, yeah. So, anyways, I could talk about that for forever, too. Um. So, tell us about William and his kind of, his age right now, his stages. What do you like the most about where he's Uh, at? Um, What's hard about a two and a half year old? We, um have some experience so <laughs> we yeah. can chime in with our two and a half year old stories too <laughs> um well so William turns two in August um and I actually like everyone's like terrible shoes I love this age um I really thought I love babies I really thought I would love the baby face but I actually hated it 
I, not hate, that's a strong word, but it was really tough for me. I just like really struggled. I think it was more of like my identity shift, like becoming a mom and like losing that independence and all that. That was the hardest part. But I really love like when his personality just keeps coming more and more out. And now he's at that phase where he's talking more. He's not really making much sense when he speaks, but it's like, he's definitely comprehending what you're saying. And he's like almost trying to, you know, hold conversations with you, even though like his sentences are a total of two words, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I love, love this phase. I, I mean, it's definitely hard. He, he, yeah, it's definitely hard. Every phase I feel like it's hard in its own way. Um, I mean, well, I've only done two, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I think two gets a bad rap. I think you're right. I think it's like people, you're going into it thinking it's going to be terrible. And then you get there yeah. and you're like, oh, this is so sweet. Like they do have like, they're developing their personalities. And like you said, that when they really do start having conversations with you and just picking up on things that you're saying and start repeating, even just repeating them back, it is the cutest, yeah. best thing to me too. I love it. Or even just something as simple, like, this brings me so much joy, but I'll be like, can you go get this from your room? And he, like, it's not that he can say those words, but he knows what I'm saying, and he, like, goes and gets it. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you're becoming, like, a human. Yeah, <laughs> so, so cute. Like, you know what your room is? You know where to go? Yeah, it's <laughs> so <weird>. sweet. <laughs> yes, that's so cute. I love that. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I love, I love the older that he gets. Um, obviously, I miss, like, how tiny he was, but... um he, the hardest part I think right now is, I mean, along with the word part is he really loves the word no. And I think like, it's, I think often he doesn't know why he's using it or like, he doesn't know that it's applicable to a situation, but it's almost like how he throws his tantrums or like expresses his frustration. He just kind of like screams no, 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 no to me. And I'm not even saying anything sometimes. That's like sad and hard because he has, like, even just now, before we put him to bed and I got on this call, he was, like, trying to ask us for something. Like, I, I don't know if he was asking us for a certain boy or what, but both Michael and I were like, we cannot understand him. Like, sorry, buddy, we don't know what you're saying. Um, can you, like, show us? And he was so frustrated. And he was, like, screaming, no, no. And, like, you know, and they just kind of, like, slide, flail their hands around. And, like, oh, that's the hardest part because you're just, like, I can't, like, I feel like I, I'm, we're missing, like, a beat with communication and that, and it, I don't know, it's, it's that part tough. Right, because he's not being bad, he's just trying to explain, no. and he can't, it's so sweet, it's hard to watch him. I'm all, I'm at this stage right now where I'm like, Murphy, what did he just say? <laughs> like, Murphy's translating for me, <laughs> because it yeah. is, cause Moses is about the same as William, he turned two in April, so he's a little ahead, but some of the, even though he's, he speaks a lot, because he's so used to copying Murphy and Fletcher, and he just says what they say basically but some of the words I'm just like and he is repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and I'm like I don't know I'm so sorry and he gets I those like know. tears in his eyes and he's so frustrated I don't like watching that either it's hard well it's kind of nice that you have like a built-in interpreter That's exactly cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell us about because we talked on your podcast a little bit about um the postpartum journey and it being hard for you and then you just mentioned that the baby stage was hard and you um, strongly disliked parts of it or most of it so tell <laughs> us let's go back to that because I have been wanting to talk about postpartum on our podcast and I feel like we have it so tell us about that and you just your journey there um 
Well, I think really the baby phase that I think is like the hard or was the hardest for me and that I strongly disliked was, you know, that zero to four month period where everything's so new and overwhelming and also you are not sleeping on top of that. So your emotions, your hormones, everything are so wild. And I, I, I guess I thought like I'm a doer. I'm like a very, I'm very much like a checklist kind of person. And so I thought that I was like prepared (laughs) for um, motherhood. Like I thought I had like gotten ready enough, but you just don't know until you're in it. And so it really just shocked me because I am such a checklist person that once I shifted into motherhood and like, you have to drop all expectations of like a routine or things going to plan or things staying clean and and all those things. I really, really struggled with that shift, just that transition. And then also like, you know, when you're not a mom, like you get to create your own schedule and you can, you know, like mm-hmm. you basically lose all, all chances to be selfish. And I think you can like hypothetically know that going into a mom, going into motherhood, but like, you don't really get it until you're in it, but like, it's just a completely selfless, almost like for a season, I think like loss of old self and like really just the new you is trying to evolve and grow and like come to life. But that transition part is the hardest part. So I really struggled with postpartum depression. I didn't think I would. I thought I was like tough and strong to do it, but it's so common and I, I went on medication and, you know, my doctor was, I'm, I'm at the midwives and they're just like, so like hands on. So that was really nice. But yeah, I would say like after about four to five months, I started feeling more like this is the new normal and, and starting to love the new normal instead of being like scared by it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Those first few months are so hard. And that's why like, there's the term, I feel like it's like corny to some people, but like the, the fourth what do they call it? Fourth, Fourth trimester. trimester. But that really is what it's yeah, like. It it's is. like it's just as much part. It almost feels like you're still, I mean, it's just as much of a change as any of the other trimesters when you're pregnant. It's such a shock yeah. to yeah. your body. It's not and, harder because yeah. at least when you're pregnant, your baby's like getting everything they need and you're not like having to do much except just like live. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really. I, I think having a newborn is so much harder than being pregnant. <laughs> Hannah doesn't necessarily uh, yeah, agree. Hannah is a hundred percent team. Like, because I, whenever I'm at the end of a pregnancy, I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, I get like panicked. And Hannah's like, Trust me, it's so much better to have a newborn than to be pregnant. And then I'm like, Is it? And then the baby gets here, and oh, I am yeah. happy. But it's just so hard. It's that sleepless nights is what gets me. I guess more than anything. I'm yeah, not, the I'm sleepless not. nights are the, the and that really messes with you, like. I mean, the way that they torture people to, like, train them for war is by, like, not letting them sleep. Exactly. (laughs) You're, like, you're just every night not sleeping, trying to communicate with your partner, trying to, like, be patient with this baby that you don't know yet. Like, you're just getting to know. And it, like, really messes with you. It totally does, and I was, that just reminds me, like, I think if you had to go back right now and snap your fingers and William was a newborn, I think it would be a totally different experience, because you know him, or something. Yes. I've never really yes, thought no, of it until you just I'm said like that, so, but. I'm so excited to have a second child one day, because I feel like I'll at least be prepared for the fact that, like, you can't be prepared. You know what I mean? Yes. And and I'll have a little more grace for myself in that. So yeah, Definitely. And I always say that too about um, 
your second child and just like everyone's like, is it so much harder than, you know, your first? And I'm like, I think first is harder because you know what you're doing the second time around with breastfeeding and everything. It's no, there's no learning curve there with breastfeeding and being up in the middle of the night. Like when we had Hank, I was like, well, we've already been up for two years, so we can definitely stay up now. (laughs) Right. It's not as big of a life change. Yeah, exactly. But it's still hard. Totally. Uh, it's hard, yeah, but it's great. <laughs> um, and I also just going off of that too, with your talking about self or like feeling like you can never be selfish again. I still struggle with that. And I'm, too, I mean, yeah. Fletcher's three and I'm just like, sometimes Judson and my husband, he means well, but he's like, was it so nice to go to the grocery store by yourself? Was that good time by yourself? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess, but it was just but a hair like sweeter. That's like what it's come to. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, I'm like, okay, is this it? Like, oh my word. <laughs> but, um, so I totally get that. I, I struggle with that a lot. And just feeling like, oh, good, I have time to myself. Okay, I'm going to clean. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah, anything that's and, actually... You know, it's like- even when you go out to um, like hang out with friends, but your kids there, like you're not really present yeah. in those moments because you're, you know, chasing them around, getting their food or making sure that they didn't hurt themselves when they fell, you know, like, totally. Um, so it's just a total shift. And now it's like, there's sometimes there's nowhere else I'd like rather be when we're out with, like we went to Baker's market this weekend and like um, all of our friends were, you know, huddle around drinking beers hanging out talking catching up and William was just like was insistent on pulling this little like buggy thing around for the pumpkins and there was honestly I was like loving every second of it because it was so cute watching him but like there's no place I'd rather be but then there's sometimes where I'm like oh I can't even be present when I'm like with my friends and I think that was really tough for me in the beginning too yeah and it's this is so something that like you could never explain to someone that doesn't have a kid because like it makes sense to us we're like it's so hard but it's so cool great and it's great and it's cute and it's hard and it's cute (laughs) I love it and I hate it and everything and it's the worst (laughs) it's the easiest and the hardest thing ever yeah it's so true yeah it's so much fun though at the same time this is actually reminding me of a song that everyone should listen to and <laughs> which is it's called um these are the days by Corey oh, oh my gosh. My gosh. oh i love it i've never cried so hard listening to a song i am obsessed i made michael like play it on the tv on the youtube <laughs> on like youtube for like us to just listen to together so we're gonna have like a crying moment like it was just so it's so I know and it's per it just it's like gives you such good oh, perspective sorry. sometimes I'm like okay I just need to listen to that song again I'll get back in the right headspace because it's so I sweet know, Judson so and I sweet. listened to it a few weeks ago when um Fletcher learned how to ride his bike like without training wheels and then they talk about that in the song and we both started bawling <laughs> oh game over oh it's, it's so, so good the first night it came out literally I sent it to every like mom in my <laughs> contact sorry at that point you weren't in my contacts Catherine I would have sent it to you too um she uh, is in I'm my contacts now everyone I have her number <laughs> Congrats, Sam. Thanks. But, um, no, Hannah, I sent it to everyone, and Ethan was like, I'm not listening to that. Don't put it over here. And I, like, forced him. I, like, put it in his ear, literally, and made him listen to it. And the next day, I was like, what did Judd think? Hannah's like, oh, he wouldn't listen to it. He literally refused. <laughs> like, they're so emotional. They can't even handle it. But, I know. Oh, that part good. where they're talking about, like, the son going off to marry someone yes. one day. I was like, absolutely not. I cannot handle this and right now. <laughs> he says, literally, I'm just going to quote it. He's like, um, there was a time when we were your world and now you're going off to marry your girl. 
And I was uh, like, oh, that, yeah, exactly. It was terrible. It's terrible. So it's like the first time I went to a wedding after Murphy was born. I've literally <laughs> never cared about the mother-son dance. Like, whatever, I don't care. And the first wedding after Murphy was born, I sobbed through that mother-son dance. <laughs> I was like, Girl, I never want to do that. <laughs> I know. I did the same thing. We went to a wedding in April in New Orleans. And Michael looks over there and mother-son is like, are you crying? And I'm like, yeah, like, no, I can dance. It's like, really, <laughs> It's crazy. Oh, that's another part of the whole like being a new person. It's like the things that will make you sad or mm-hmm. anxious. I don't know. It's just crazy. It totally changes your emotions and on all levels. Totally. Totally. So, um, to shift gears, I hate I don't want to like dive into the serious, but I do want to just touch base a little bit about your fertility journey just because you've been so open about it. Um, on your podcast and I know so many other listeners have been in the same or similar situation. And so I just think you have such a a great perspective. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. No, absolutely. Um, So before we had William, we had two miscarriages back to back. Um, And and then we had William, we had a healthy pregnancy. And then since we've had William, we've had two more miscarriages. So for, total um miscarriages which after three or at three it's considered recurrent miscarriage so um the the, this last year has probably been like the hardest when my fertility journey I think when you first lose a child um like Michael and I were talking about this on our podcast but like the first time you miscarry or I miscarried like it's almost like you lose a little bit of that innocence of you know, you, growing up, you think, like, I get married, I fall in love, like, we have a baby, like, we, we the positive pregnancy test, and then nine months later, there's a baby, mm-hmm. and you don't, like, let those thoughts enter your mind, and so I think after the first one, you kind of just lost the innocence of, like, pregnancy, and then with the second one, it was um, also a shock, because you think that you know, one out of every four women have miscarriages. It's so common, but you don't think that you'll have two. Um, then we had William and it was almost like, it's not as if those miscarriages were erased or like that trauma was erased, but it was like a reset of hope for us. I think in the fact that like I can carry a baby full term and we have him here at earth side and like, it's so worth all the pain to like have your child with you. Um, and then with this third and fourth one, for me personally, it's been the most difficult. The the one happened in January of this year. One happened in July, and um, I think like after William came, I thought I would have, I would just have a healthy pregnancy again. Like it's almost like it reset. Like like I talked about earlier, like reset my hope. And so with the third one, we were both like really expectant. Like we had so much faith. We were really um, like just sure that this was going to be. we were going to hold this baby and so when that one happened it was really really shocking and then after that because it was a recurrent miscarriage um I guess diagnosis we went to or I've been going to a fertility clinic um just getting a bunch of tests done really lots of blood work lots of scans lots of everything and Michael too like he's had to come and get some test work tests done as well Um, And they found, like, this clotting issue in me. Um, So, basically, like, I'm really prone to blood clots, which can, like, stop the blood flow to the baby and can, like, cut off their circulation, essentially. So, 
they put me on for my fourth miscarriage. I was actually on this blood thinner um, where I had to take like two shots a day. Is this too much information? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> um, for my for my fourth one, um, my fifth pregnancy, I was on heparin, which is like a heart. It, it's what um, doctors use for like heart patients to like thin their blood. Um, so I had to take like two shots a day, one in the morning, one at night in, in my stomach. Um, and I think now that we, like when we started the shots and got pregnant that fifth time, we were like, oh, well, we have the solution now. Like right. the first, this is why the first three happened. We have a solution. So it's not going to happen this time. Um, and then at our 10 week appointment after, when you're at the fertility center, you get, it's kind of, that, this part's kind of nice. You get to go at like six weeks, eight weeks, and then 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we had already seen the baby twice and everything was healthy. And then at the 10 week appointment, they said that the baby had passed away within like the last few hours oh um, as far as like measurement went. So I think that was just the most shocking because we had thought we found a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after getting my DNC and running tests and everything, um, we found out that that baby was a um, boy with Down syndrome and Down syndrome is called trisomy 21, mm-hmm. the little, the gene like chromosomal abnormality and, those babies typically don't make it past the first trimester. I think it's like a 75%. I'm maybe butchering the statistic, but many of those um, babies don't actually make it past the first trimester. So then we were like, okay, well, we know the reason for that one. And now we're like, I don't know. It's just like this constant. Honestly, my mind is on like a hamster wheel of overthinking, Googling, anxiety, and fear. I can't (laughs) But also like, yeah, I don't know. That's all the things, girls. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And I know you said on one of your podcasts, like, how it's almost like it just become, it's like an obsessive almost, like you can't think about anything else. And yeah, I just can't, I mean, honestly, I, that's, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, like, that's something that's been the hardest, like, for our marriage after all these losses is, like, you know, as a mom, when you get pregnant, immediately you feel a connection to this baby because they're inside of you. And, you know, with a dad, it's different. Typically, like, once the baby's here, that they feel that, like, connection, that emotional connection. And I was just, like, talking with Michael one day about how, like, I think about miscarrying or trying to get pregnant or if we get pregnant, what then? Like, I think about that. I'm not even kidding. Like, like once every five minutes, truly. And it sucks that your brain's almost like invaded by this like two week cycle of like you get your period and then you have two weeks to ovulation. So you're in that two week window. And then after ovulation, you have two weeks till that test. And then if you test positive, then you have two weeks till that next scan at the fertility. It's like two week windows, you know, Mm -hmm. and those two weeks in between are like the messy middle. They're just the hardest part. That is so, yeah, I've heard that before about those windows and how hard it is and just how it feels like, or like every period feels like, like a mini funeral for you. Like, okay, not that time, you know, or whatever, like how, yeah, yeah that's so, so disheartening. Mm-hmm. That is hard. I can't imagine. I, I feel like you sharing about it is so brave and powerful because I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about how so it's so common and yet so many people don't 
we don't know that many people who have experienced it, but it's because people aren't talking about it. I think it's getting yeah. better in this generation. I think that social media has helped that in a lot of ways. Um, but I think your voice is so powerful and making, I mean, so many people feel so much less alone. I just I think you're so awesome for even being willing to talk about it and, and being able to talk about it because I can't imagine how disheartening and frustrating and, and anxious it must make you feel. Yeah, I, um, thanks for saying that. I, I've always opened up about it when we've had the miscarriage and I will say it as hard as it is, it's worth it for me. It's not for everyone. I totally understand. Like you get to be the author of that decision. Um, I just have gotten like floods of messages come in, not even the day that I miscarried, but like years, weeks, months later of like women who are like, Hey, I know that you miscarried six months ago, but I just did today. Can I talk to you? You know, like people that maybe I haven't even met in real life just thought we're just Instagram friends. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been like definitely worth it. And, and that kind of goes along with like the shameless living motto that I have is, so when I moved to Wilmington almost, or I guess nine years ago, um, when I moved here, I like came here from Dallas to heal from an eating disorder. And so like the promise I made to myself and to God when I moved here was like, you get a fresh start. You can't not share your story because if you live in isolation again, like you were when you had your disordered eating in Dallas, then you're just going to shut people out and then you're only going to dig yourself into a deeper like pit. And so anyways, when I moved here, like I was like, Hey, what's up? I'm Catherine. I'm healing from an eating disorder. <laughs> and it was like, it might've been like a lot, but I think that God's like really kind of just pruning me in that, in that theme for my life of like, okay, maybe it's not, maybe what you're dealing with right now isn't around food or exercise, but it is about shame that women carry for their bodies or like, I should be able to carry a baby. That's what I was created to do. My body failed me. I'm not enough. Like, it's almost that science, that same message that you, the lies that you hear. And oh. so when this started happening, I was like, okay, like you can't not share your story. Like I, I have to do it with this too. Um, and that kind of became like my new, I guess, I don't know, mission. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a absolutely yeah. a mission. And I think what you just said is so good for everybody to hear no matter what their, um, their thing is it's like find someone that you can share it with and that you can talk to about it because I think like you said you if you're holding on to something and you're trying to not let it out then you're just getting into this kind of pit by yourself and I just think that's where Satan's really attacks too is when you're by yourself and when you've convinced yourself that no one is no one gets it no one's with you and I just think whoo sharing it no matter what it is it's not not just miscarriage or whatever it is that you just need to Make sure you have somebody that you can talk to. And I know that's not as easy as it sounds. Some people just don't have that. And so I just think yeah, I know. finding that circle is so important and so valuable. And, and it's the, not like you have to share it on social media. Like, no, exactly. It, it really is just about like finding that person that you can at least release, um, yeah, release what you're going through too. And then also feel less alone. Like anytime we open up or share something about us it's rare that we don't get a like me too or I struggle with that too or I know someone who you know yes. and that those are the kind of like testimonies that make you feel like oh I'm the only one and that's like what really what we're all looking for is to not be alone you know oh, feel yes. seen 
That's so good. Um, that just reminded me, just speaking of that, like, what are some things as, you know, Hannah and I haven't experienced miscarriage or, or loss like that. And so, but we, we have plenty of friends who have. And so what is something or that people did for you or have done for you that like someone listening could do for their friend right now that was encouraging or helpful or does that make sense? What I'm asking. Yes. I, I love this question. This is a great question. Um, I, for me, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but for me personally, I really just prefer that my friends, you know, almost like mourn with me and that like, Hey, this, this sucks. I'm so sorry. Like what, like, what do you need instead of almost like, there's a lot of like niceties that are given to you when you lose a baby or when anything tragic happens, it's very much like, well, everything happens for a reason or one day you'll look back and you'll see why. And it's like, well, maybe actually I won't like maybe right. one day I, this side of heaven, like I won't look back and be like, that's why I might grieve this until I see Jesus one day. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so anyways, I think maybe just like knowing what not to say, um, you don't, you're not supposed to solve the problem. You're just supposed to, you know, be present for your friends and, and ask them what they need. Um, I also just give them, give them grace um, and know that they're probably going to put some like necessary boundaries up for themselves that they just need to protect their hearts in that season. Like for me, you know, I have close friends that I muted on Instagram who are pregnant and it's not anything against them. It's just, like it, it genuinely starts to like eat at your um like your worth when you see that other people are getting something that you're craving so bad and you're not able to do it. Um, it doesn't mean I don't love them or don't want to ce- even celebrate their baby. Like I was, I love going to baby showers and celebrating them, but sometimes you know Instagram for me is like triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like respecting their boundaries and um at really just going to them first and instead of trying to solve the issue, asking them what they need. Yeah, that's so good. I think the mute button is something we should all get better at using on Instagram, honestly, (laughs) because there's things that are triggering for everybody that you're continually looking at that you can easily get away from if you need to. So I think that's a good word, too. Yeah, Um, for sure. And, you know, also on that note, don't um, I do. I don't know what other people feel, but I, I actually get sad when friends will like almost hide their pregnancies from me because they're afraid of how I'll handle it. Um, like really close friends, you know, like, oh, I didn't want to tell you yet because I knew you are going through a bunch. Mm-hmm. I would so much rather like be your friend and know than feel like people are walking on eggshells around me. Like I genuinely want to celebrate every life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm happy that you're pregnant. And I realize like they're just trying to be like sensitive to what I'm going through. But uh, if someone is like your really good friend, like let them into your life too. And maybe, maybe, you know, initiate that conversation with, Hey, like, I know this is a really tender subject for you, but I wanted to let you know that I'm pregnant. And like, you let me know what kind of boundary you need in this, but like, I love you. And I want you to know, because this is a big thing for me, you know? That's a great way to put it. That's really good because I've made that mistake before of like not wanting to hurt well, someone's totally. feelings and then it really actually hurt their feelings more that I was trying that like everyone knew and no one was telling me, you know, it was like it did the reverse that, I, you know, it did the yeah. opposite of what I wanted it to do. Yeah. Um, and you don't ever want to be, I've done it before too, but like you don't ever want to be someone that someone doesn't feel like 
safe celebrating with, even if you, you're mourning, you know? Yes, totally. that makes perfect sense. That's good. Yeah. Um, in your um, podcast, I also, I feel like you were so open about like the way you and um, your husband grieved differently and how on, on the last one I listened to, how you kind of talked about how like you just went to other women to talk more about yeah. it because of the differences. And I just think also that's very brave to just kind of talk about um, your marriage in that way and just be honest with people. Because I think so many times I, I assume, or at least my friends who have had miscarriages, it's like, dang, he, it seems like he doesn't even care, you know, or something. Yeah. And like you were saying, I just thought that was really um, cool how you guys talked about that and were really open about um, your differences in your marriage. Yeah, I think you were like, is this okay to say? I don't talk to you about it. I go to. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't mean to offend you, but um, I don't talk to you. No, and it's well, that you I do think... talk about it, but then you also yeah. have to process it, continually process it with other people too. Yeah, I think that, I mean, everyone grieves differently. Like we have friends who have gone through um, loss who the husband is actually like the more, I want to process out loud. I want to, you know, emotionally talk about this. And the wife's like, no, I'm good. So it really is just dependent on the person. But I would say, generally speaking, women are more like emotional and they also need to like process things out loud more where men can compartmentalize and um, kind of separate one thing from the next and really focus on what they're actually doing. Like if they're at work, they're at work, you know, (laughs) if if they're with their kid, they're with their kid. You know, it's very compartmentalized or at least that is the case for my husband. Um, and so when we, you know, when you say your vows, you say for better or for worse, and you genuinely mean it, but you don't, you can't really expect what the worst could be. And so you don't know how your partner grieves typically before you get, before you get married. And, um, so we, I mean, we, we definitely have, it's been a work in progress for us. Unfortunately, it's something that we've had to like, we've gotten a lot of practice on, (laughs) um, but we, just grew so differently. Like I very much am an outward processor. I want to talk about it. And he is, I think also being the fact that he didn't carry the baby and doesn't have that like physical trauma within him. It's very easy for him to like, like, okay, well this is done. Shut this door and we're going to enter into the next door and like move forward where I, I kind of think sometimes it is necessary to not dwell, but to like, stay in the space that you're in for a second and like feel the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've definitely learned, but yeah, I, I'll like Michael and I obviously process together, but for like, really like if I were to like call someone today and be like, you know, I'm really struggling with something that happened like four years ago with miscarriage. Like it might, it'd probably be a girlfriend because it, you know, girls are like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like something triggered me today. And like, blah, blah. I think here we are off in this like loop talking about and understanding each other um and I think that's okay like he knows that I do that and I'm not shutting him out like it's not like I don't tell him things that I'm feeling I just know like um if I want to like really dive deep into it I'm probably going to call his girlfriend yeah I think that's good I think that's like Hannah said it was just cool that you just like said it like (laughs) this is how we how we are and this is how it's going to be and that's okay we have agreed we know this about each other you know I think that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing too is to communicate that with you know yeah and like we are like obviously we are there for each other like right he is like my person and he knows me better than anyone and so he's so supportive and like so loving but there's there's a part in him probably 
or I know that he's expressed to me that feels like he doesn't know what to do, you know, because men want to protect and they want to fix and they want to like help their wives. But sometimes there's not a solution. It's just like, um, you just have to sit in it, you know? And I think that's the, that's kind of where we disconnect on that is, you know, I'll, I'll maybe bring something up to him that I'm struggling with and he's already trying to find a solution and that's his way of supporting. But sometimes I'm just like, I actually just want you to say like, this sucks. Like, I'm so sorry, you know, and he knows that too. I just listened to something that was about this and they were actually talking about like the resurrection and Good Friday and and the Resurrection Sunday and how we kind of like to skip over Silent Saturday um, Mm -hmm. and how three days, like, right. There's a reason there's that middle and there's that call to grieve and to sit in it a little bit and like how this girl was talking about how like every Easter or every Good Friday sermon she's ever been to they're like Sunday's coming and she's like can't we just be on Saturday for a second and she's like like it's okay (laughs) yeah it's okay for us to be a little upset and I just think that's and it was actually a podcast about miscarriage and she spent and I you I want to I'll send it to you Catherine because it was her talk comparing the entire Holy Week to the process of a miscarriage. Wow. Wow. She wrote a book yeah, about I want, it. I want to listen. She wrote a book called um, Miscarried Hope. And Ooh, it's about walking through miscarri- lo- loss of a loss with Jesus. And it was about how um, it's a lot, but basically like the expectation and is like connected to Palm Sunday and how he, he's here, the Messiah is here, and that's how you feel when you get pregnant. And it's... It's, you're expectant and you're hopeful and you're excited. And then there's this, and it, it, it goes on, but the end Sunday is that like the hope that you're going to be with those babies again in heaven one day. And they, yeah. it's so good, but um, I'll send it to you. It literally gives me chills, but um, she is great. And I don't even remember her name right now off the top of my head, but she was, I'll, um, I'll have to look that. I'm going to be reading so much after this podcast. <laughs> we love wait. a good book. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, I just think that's a good th- thought too, that it's okay to be on your Saturday, you know, no matter what it is yeah. that's making you grieve or sad or, or feel kind of down, it's okay to feel that way. It's part of being a human. Um, mm-hmm, totally. So. And like Mary, you know, with like Mary and all the disciples and all Jesus followers, I'm sure were like, upset even though they knew that he promised he'd come back you know they were probably still so sad and burdened and it says that in scripture like there's record of it so Mm -hmm. yeah that 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 middle part is really important yeah for sure so tell I want to hear a little bit about soul fitness I know we probably need to wrap things up um but are you accepting new clients and if so how do they get in contact with you Yes, honey. Only accepting women clients. Okay. Um, but so sorry, guys. But um, I'll give y'all the link. You can put it in your show notes. But there's um, like a an app that we have for Soul, and you can just download that link and see everything, like um, our schedule, our pricing. Um, your first class is free, so like please do a drop in first free class and like see how you like it. Um, and yeah, you can always DM me too. Okay. DMs are open. And <laughs> I think that's such a good opportunity for people, especially if you're listening and you feel like you don't have a group of women in your life or you don't have somebody, you know, that you can turn to because I think that's what you're all about there, right? Yeah, it's it's a really cool um it's a really cool environment. Like I 
it's really neat to like work out with women. Like tonight, for example, we, I was posting a class and, um, you know, one of the women was like really struggling with the fact that she just couldn't get this movement right. And, you know, when you're just like kind of in your own head and then you're like, you almost like spiral into, I can't do anything right. You know, just yeah. from like one. Um, and, you know, she, she like left the space and I could see it kind of on her face that she was struggling. She left the gym and went into the like little lobby area. Um, and, you know, I could tell she was upset. So I followed her in here while everyone's still working out. And I was like, are you good? And, you know, she was just crying. And it was like such a, it was such like a ministry slash cool moment to be like, fitness is more than just fitness. Like it's about breakthrough. It's about overcoming. It's about like showing up as you are, even if you're pissed and letting people like encourage you and be there for you. And it was really cool to like watch her walk back into class and finish the circuit and do the movement, you know, like sometimes we get in our own way. So when we have community that's surrounding us with fitness or with anything to like encourage us, that's what gets us to the next step. Is your gym at your house? Yes, it's at my house. It's the best part. The community is so good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we actually found this house during COVID and, or right before COVID. Um, Thank God, it's an interest rate. But um, (laughs) we found this house right before COVID and it has two front doors. Like the way that it's built is insane. It's like an old ranch and one front door goes into like a den area, which leads into what was already a finished garage. So we outfitted the garage into a gym and then the den area the lobby so when girls come in they enter through a different door than the rest of my house and like this is like the soul side and the other side we live in oh my gosh <laughs> that is perfect that's so cool it's so cool I love it that's great um so look her up people yeah for sure the dms are open <laughs> dms are open and for oh, all of those who God. don't have instagram like hannah you can follow the link and put it in the show notes for you yes and and our app the one that that's in the show notes it has a messaging app too so if you don't have instagram you can message me on that as well <laughs> okay perfect okay so um fun questions yeah do you have any yes i do of course I do. <laughs> um, so I've got a few fun questions for you, Catherine. On your podcast, you ask four, so I might ask you four as well, or maybe five. Ooh, <laughs> okay, number one, we know that you, we haven't talked about this, but um, we as the host know that you're a huge Taylor Swift fan, and I would like to know what's your favorite Taylor Swift song of all time. <gasps> oh, gosh. Oh, favorite song of all time is All Too Well, 10-Minute Version. Oh, good <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Yeah. And what's your favorite album? Red. Okay. <laughs> you, know you know what's funny is Taylor and I were just talking about this today. So your answers are ready to go. You know, I'm like, it's just all top of mind. I'm like, I oh, got it. Also, if no one knows, she's not talking about Taylor Swift. You're like, Taylor and I were talking about this earlier. (laughs) It really does. It sounds like I'm like friends with her. You'll have to tune into Heart and Soul to know what we're talking about. Yes. (laughs) Okay. um, I also, what's Anne? I was just going to ask, how do you feel about the Taylor's version of 1989? Um, Okay. So I love it. 1989 was just like that album that like really if you weren't a Swifty you kind of started becoming a Swifty. Especially for so those of us who were actually born in 1989 it's quite powerful. Totally. <laughs> I just feel it in my soul like 1989 <laughs> for life. Um, I really think that the five vault songs are actually like cohesively as like a group her best vault song. Um, 
now are they all my favorite no but like if you're gonna pick like the group of five songs that she released with each re-recording my favorites so far as a group are 1989 i totally agree yeah i'm here for it me too i so which one's your favorite right now or can you say yet it's early um well no i can say right now is um I say, okay, so I go back and forth because I love the one, the last one where she like just calls out Harry Styles so hard. Like, yes. um, is it over it's now? Over now yeah. So I would say that's probably my favorite in that it's like stuck in my head the most. Um, and then I also really love Now That We Don't Talk. Okay. I, do I just think it's such a bop. It is. <laughs> Honestly, like you said, they really, I really like all five of them. I really do. Me too. I really I don't. No, I think they all, I've I've only listened to them probably three times each or something. I haven't had time to like dive in deep to each of them, but um, I love Say Don't Go. Obviously, I think everyone does. Oh my does, gosh, yeah, that is. It's really good. That's one of those Taylor songs that like gets you. Yes, you know? it's one that's like Taylor. Like it's like very her, the lyrics, like it's totally. like something that would have been on the original 1989, 100%. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Anyways, guys, sorry. Hannah, next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, steal slash take a question from your podcast. What is something that you're looking forward to in the rest of the year? There's only like two months left. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? So wild. Um, I'm looking forward to – we're hosting Thanksgiving at our house. And so we have Michael's whole family and my family coming into town for Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Um, Are you yep, cooking the I'm turkey? For- Girl, if you one thing about me, I don't cook. I haven't cooked. <laughs> I haven't cooked once in our entire marriage. So I'll be there to support, but not like in a kitcheny way. Oh um, I wish I could. I just can't cook. It's not that I don't. I can't. Um, <laughs> and then also, I'm I'm really like hopeful and looking forward to like a healthy pregnancy in the rest of the year. Like, let's speak it. Come on. Yes, definitely speak it for sure. Um, yeah, I love that. And what is one thing you're loving about yourself these days? Oh, girl, I love this question. <laughs> I know. I want to know your answer. Oh, gosh, you know, this is why I love this question because it changes so much. You're like, it depends what season you're in. Um, right now, I am really loving. I was really shut off for a few years to, like, receiving from from God, from people, like, I was almost like building up coldness and bitterness from what we had been going through with our miscarriages. Um, but now I feel like I'm in this season of like receiving. Um, so I really love that. Like I'm being like, I'm open handed right now. Like I'm surrendering. I'm ready to just like receive what God has for me. I'm like really trying to press into what he's saying. And then also like, you know, sometimes when you're in a tough season and friends are like, can I pray for you? Or um, can I do this? Like you almost, shut them out you're like no like I'm so annoyed you know like if I'm just being brutally honest like I know this is what I need but I don't want it and I feel like right now I'm I'm very like yes come like come over what do you want to do like you want to lay hands like let's go um <laughs> so I'm just I'm really in like a season I I just feel like I'm I'm loving that I'm like open and to receive right now which is a weird answer no it's no, not I love that answer. that's so cool that's so good and then the last question, these are just questions I've stolen from you, clearly. 
<laughs> you should know that these are all the questions that Catherine asks at the end of our Well, it's, they're good, and I want to know. Since she's the host, I don't know, I know. her answer. But them. I also want to tell you, Catherine, that I've asked several guests. I've been like, okay, I stole this from another podcast. It's called Heart and Soul, but what would you write on a Post-it note for people? Because I love that question, and I feel like it's such a good one for this show, like a little encouragement for moms, like something quick. And so Which people, is what we want to hear from you, yeah. is your little sticky note of encouragement for our listeners. Um, I think maybe what I would write for myself is it's not too late. And so, and that has to do with motherhood. Um, for, I mean, for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm almost 35. I'm on, you know, I've had five pregnancies. I have one baby. And so like you, you start to get in your head, like, you know, maybe it's just not for me. It's too late. Like I think as women also, we get like this message that like you're geriatric and like your eggs are going to freeze up and you're done. And, um, I, I just feel like we really need to step into the fact that God is so much bigger than what the world puts, you know, timelines around. So for mothers, especially those who are struggling with um, infertility or um, pregnancy loss, I would say put your post note on a on your computer that says it's never too late. That is so good. God is never late and he's always on time. And I love that. Always on time. I wish that we had the same timing sometimes, but like you go, <laughs> you go God, you're better. He is. Yeah. He is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This was so good. Really I love was. talking to you. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank oh, you for nice. staying up late with us too. I know it's past your bedtime. I know. I'm, I'm like such a grandma. I'm like, Already, I was like drinking tea before. <laughs> <laughs> what no. time is your earliest class? 6.30. Okay, cool. So it's not like super, super early, especially considering I like live in the gym. But <laughs> um, I'm a really bad sleeper. And so I'm like so anal about bedtime because for me, it's like my time to, I guess, like ease into sleep because I don't fall asleep easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's part of your self-care then. That's what you need. And so that's what you take. I think that's good. Yeah, girl. Bad time. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've heard recently that um, staying staying up late and, I mean, sorry, going to bed early in parenthood is like um, this version of sleeping in before you have kids. That's like true. Like going no, to bed is. early is like taking care of you. Yeah. You know, true. the worst is when you get like a babysitter and you like stay out late for a date night or something and then you come home and you're like, wait, the kid's still going to wake up at 637. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, dang it. <laughs> I know. It's so hard. This morning, I've, I've been up since 245. I never went back to sleep after Murphy got up oh. at 245. It was awful. And I just laid there and laid there and finally I got up and Hannah tells me every night why don't you just take a unisom and so this morning yeah. I texted her I was like I know I know take a unisom <laughs> telling myself but I still don't do it something about it scares me because I'm like but I have to get up at six and what if I can't I don't know I know Girl, I can but I take a unisom don't judge me listener but I take one every night <laughs> uh-huh me too Okay, well, I'm I take half so of good. one I take half of one yeah because if you wake up most of the time you're able to go back to sleep in the middle of the night but yeah, anyway that's the hard part when you wake up and start thinking Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Um, okay, okay, well, I guess we should cut it. But thank you so oh. much <laughs> again for coming on and for um, just being so cool. We really think that you're great and such um, an inspiration to so many people. And I just really admire you. I really do. Thank you. And I think y'all are the coolest. I listened to every single episode except for this last one with Christian, but. I've listened to all the others. I'm a big, big fan of this podcast. Y'all are doing amazing work. 
Thank you so much, Catherine. And don't forget to tune in to her podcast, Heart and Soul. You will love it. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. And we hope you will tune in again next week. Thank you.